Welcome to episode two, An Aborted Peace. This week, we'll be summarizing the rest of the first chapter of the Canadian Army in Afghanistan, Volume 1, A Nation Under Fire, 2001-2006, to by Sean Maloney, Ph.D. In the waning echoes of the Cold War, as the ideological titans withdrew from their global chess, a new theater of unrest emerged in the rugged terrain of Afghanistan. The Soviet departure, celebrated as the end of a chapter, instead unraveled a tale of tumultuous transformation. Amid the dust of history, Canadian military engineers donned the mantle of peacemakers, threading through the hazardous tapestry of the post-Soviet Afghanistan. As they endeavored to train Afghan demineers and navigate the intricate dance of geopolitics, Little did they know that their footsteps marked the prologue to a narrative that would unfold to unexpected twists. This dispatch unveils the aborted peace in Kabul, weaving together the threads of diplomacy, violence, and the seeds of Canada's eventual deep entanglement in the Afghan saga. As we navigate the intricate corridors of an aborted peace, dispatches from Kabul 1990-1992, we find ourselves immersed in a pivotal juncture of history, where the echoes of Afghanistan's past reverberate with unforeseen consequences. In this second installment, the narrative unfurls the complexities of peace efforts, geopolitical maneuvering, and the unexpected turns that would ultimately shape Canada's profound engagement in Afghanistan. Join us as we dwell into the corridors of Kabul, where the seeds of conflict are sown, alliances unravel, and the set is staged for the unforeseen chapter in Canada's military and political narrative. My name is James, and I'm the host of Canada Afghanistan, the podcast. So let's get into some background and context. Post-Soviet withdrawal. Well, the narrative begins with the end of the Cold War and the withdrawal of the Soviet forces from Afghanistan. The departure of ideological antagonists led to the increased violence in various parts of the world. Then came the UN's role in Afghanistan. United Nations Good Offices in Afghanistan and Pakistan, or UNOGAP, was established to observe the implementation of the 1988 Geneva Accords, particularly the Soviet withdrawal. UNOGAP later evolved into the Office of the Secretary General for Afghanistan and Pakistan, or OSGAP, coordinating UN activities in Afghanistan. The Canadian Military Engineers Mission, or Operation Decimal. Canada contributed military engineers to the Mine Awareness and Clearance Training Program, or MACTP, from 1989 to 1990. They trained Afghan demineurs in Pakistan. Next was the shift to peacekeeping. OSGAP, originally not a peacekeeping mission, maintained a military advisory unit in Kabul in case UN peacekeeping forces were required. Canada deployed a lieutenant colonel as part of this advisory union. Benin Severin's peace efforts. The narrative introduces Benin Severin, the UN representative attempting to broker peace in Afghanistan. The passage highlights challenges, including interference from the Pakistani Intelligence Agency, or the ISI. Peace process and political dynamics. Progress in the peace process is discussed, with various Afghan factions agreeing to talks. However, the passage notes the reluctance of some factions, the fall of Kabul to Mujahideen forces and the subsequent power struggles. Recommendations for Canadian observers. Concerns were raised about the dangerous conditions with recommendations for the withdrawal of Canadian OSGAP observers during the deteriorating situation and the unclear mandates. 
Then there came the shift in focus to the Balkans. The attention shifts to the Balkans in the mid-1990s, with Canadian involvement in UN peacekeeping missions in Somalia, Croatia, Bosnia, and Cambodia. Because of this, the rise of the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. The passage briefly mentions the rise of Taliban and the emergence of Al-Qaeda in Taliban-controlled parts of Afghanistan in the 1990s, setting the stage for the 9-11 attacks. We'll discuss Canada's deep involvement after 9-11. The passage concludes by highlighting that the events of 1990s, including Canada's experience in the Balkans, played a role in shaping Canada's deep involvement in Afghanistan after the 9-11 attacks. In summary, the passage provides a nuanced account of the geopolitical landscape in Afghanistan during the early 1990s, illustrating Canada's initial engagement, the challenges faced in peacekeeping efforts, and the eventual emergence of the Taliban and al-Qaeda, which influenced Canada's prolonged involvement in Afghanistan. So let's summarize the key points about the geopolitical situation after the Soviet withdrawal. Well, the Soviet withdrawal from Afghanistan in the late 1980s marked a turning point in leashing suppressed animosities globally as ideological adversaries like the U.S. and the Soviet Union disengaged at the end of Cold War. The Soviet withdrawal from Afghanistan in the late 1980s marked a turning point, unleashing suppressed animosities globally as ideological adversaries like the U.S. and the Soviet Union disengaged at the end of the Cold War. The United Nations, through UNOGAP and later OSGAP, played a crucial role in overseeing the post-withdrawal era, attempting to navigate the complex geopolitical landscape. Canada contributed to the post-Soviet efforts with Operation Decimal, training Afghan demineers as part of the UN mission. However, despite initial peace efforts, led by figures like Benon Seven, violence re-emerged, driven by the re-energized Mujahideen groups supported by countries such as Pakistan and Iran. The passage alludes to Benin Seven's challenges, including interference from the Pakistani intelligence agency. The descent interval of stability after the Soviet withdrawal proved temporary, and the situation in Afghanistan became increasingly volatile, laying the groundwork for the rise of the Taliban and the emergence of al-Qaeda during the 1990s. This complex geopolitical backdrop set the stage for Canada's deep involvement in Afghanistan following the 9-11 attacks. These key points highlight the complex and tumultuous period following the Soviet withdrawal from Afghanistan, characterized by ongoing violence, peace efforts, and the emergence of new actors on the Afghan political stage. Lastly in this segment, let's discuss the emergence of the United Nations Good Offices in Afghanistan and the Pakistan, or UNOGMAP, and Canada's involvement in the Mono Awareness Clearance Training Program, MACTP. The tumultuous landscape of Afghanistan's pre-9-11 era unfolds in an aborted peace dispatches from Kabul, 1990 to 1992. In the wake of the Cold War, the Canadian Army becomes intertwined with the country's fate, predating the rise of Al-Qaeda. As the Soviet Union withdraws, the United Nations intervenes, leading to the establishment of the Monowarance Clearance Training Program, or MACTP, marking Canada's, or marking Canada's initial involvement. Now let's dive into Operation Decimal, Canada's contribution to MACTP. Operation Decimal, involving Canadian combat engineers training Afghan demineers, proved as a prelude to the larger, complex tapestry of events. Amid the diplomatic efforts, UN Representative Benin Seven strives for peace, facing challenges from Afghan factions and the shadowy influence of Pakistan's ISI. The narrative unfolds with intriguing developments mirroring the intricate dance of geopolitics and conflicting Afghan interests. 
Next, let's detail the training of Afghan debonairs and the significance of this mission. Well, the training of the Afghan debonairs under Operation Decimal carried significant importance in the broader context of the Soviet or the post-Soviet Afghanistan. Here are the details and significance of the mission. Well, the objective for Operation Decimal was a Canadian military mission that aimed to contribute to the reconstruction efforts in Afghanistan following the Soviet withdrawal. The specific focus was on training Afghan debonairs. Canadian military engineers were deployed for this mission, working in small teams out of Kedah and Peshawar, Pakistan. Four rotations occurred between March 18, 1989 and July 1990, each consisting of 12 combat engineers from various units across Canada. The training took place in Islamabad, Pakistan, where the Afghan debonairs were instructed in the hazardous task of demining. The goal was to equip them with the necessary skills to safely clear landmines within Afghanistan. An estimated 10,500 Afghan men and women received training during the four rotations of Operation Decimal. This initiative aimed to address the pervasive landmine issue in Afghanistan, a legacy of the Soviet-Afghan War. After the Canadian military engineers completed their training rotations, the responsibility for demining was handed over to the non-governmental civilian organizations. This transition was part of the larger reconstructive program for Afghanistan. So what's the significance of the mission? Well, first was the humanitarian impact. Landmines posed a severe threat to the civilian population in Afghanistan, causing casualties and hindering the country's reconstruction. The training of Afghan demineers aimed to mitigate this threat and contribute to the safety and well-being of the local population. Next was reconstruction and stability. Clearing landmines was crucial for the reconstruction efforts in post-Soviet Afghanistan. Demining facilitated the safe return of refugees and internally displaced persons, allowing communities to rebuild and stabilize, preventing civilian casualties. Landmines not only caused immediate casualties, but also hindered agricultural activities and limited access to essential resources. Training demineers helped reduce the risk of civilian casualties and allowed communities to reclaim and cultivate their land. And lastly, preceding stability efforts. Operation Decimal was part of a broader stability and reconstruction effort for Afghanistan. While it focused on demining, it set the stage for subsequent missions and engagements, providing a foundation for further Canadian involvement in the region. Lastly, we'll talk about humanitarian diplomacy. The mission underscored Canada's commitment to humanitarian diplomacy, showcasing its dedication to alleviate the suffering of war-affected populations and contributing to the restoration of normalcy in Afghanistan. In essence, the training of Afghan debonairs under Operation Decimal was not only a humanitarian endeavor, but also a strategic move to address the lingering consequences of the conflict, laying the groundwork for future international engagement in Afghanistan. Welcome back. Let's get into segment three, OSGAP and the Military Advisory Unit. Let's talk about the transition from UNGOMAP to the Office of the Secretary General for Afghanistan and Pakistan, or OSGAP. The transition from the United Nations Good Offices in Afghanistan and Pakistan to the Office of the Secretary General for Afghanistan and Pakistan reflects the evolving nature of the United Nations engagement in the region. Here's the explanation for this transition. First off, UNGOMAP and the Soviet withdrawal. UNGOMAP was established to oversee the implementation of the 1988 Geneva Accords, particularly monitoring the withdrawal of Soviet forces from Afghanistan. Its primary task was to observe and report on the departure of the massive Soviet military presence from Afghanistan, a significant event at the end of the Cold War. Next came the handover to OSGAP. Once the Soviet withdrawal was completed, UNGOMAP's mandate shifted, and it was handed over to the Office of the Secretary General for Afghanistan and Pakistan. 
This created a coordinating body for the UN activities in Afghanistan and took on a broader role beyond the specific task of overseeing the Soviet withdrawal. Next expanded the role of OSGAP. Now, this was not initially set up as a peacekeeping mission. Instead, it became a multifunctional coordinating body for various UN activities in the region. Unlike UNO or UNGOMAP, OSGAP's role extended beyond monitoring a specific military withdrawal, encompassing a wider range of diplomatic, humanitarian, and stabilization efforts in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Next, let's talk about the military advisory unit. Now, now while the OSGAP was on a formal peacekeeping mission, it maintained a military advisory unit in Kabul. This unit was kept in place in case the UN was called upon to provide peacekeeping forces in the region. Canada agreed to deploy a lieutenant colonel as part of the military advisory unit. Next were observations and reporting. Canadian officers within the military advisory unit, such as Lieutenant Colonel Harry Moore, and Lieutenant Colonel Mike Skidmore provided observations and reports covering the period from May 1991 to 19, December 1992. Their insights were folded into Canadian embassy reporting, offering valuable context for understanding Canada's future involvement in Afghanistan. Next, let's talk about the role in diplomacy and peace efforts. OSGAP played a role in diplomatic efforts to bring about peace in Afghanistan. It was not a peacekeeping force itself, but was poised to assist if the UN were to deploy peacekeepers. There were challenges and uncertainties. OSGAP faced challenges including questions about its mandate and utility. The evolving political landscape in Afghanistan and the region presented uncertainties regarding OSGAP's future role. In summary, the transition from UNGOMAP to OSGAP marked a shift from a specific mission overseeing the Soviet withdrawal to a broader coordinating body involving the various aspects of the UN engagement in Afghanistan and Pakistan. OSGAP's role included diplomatic initiatives and the maintenance of a military advisor unit, reflecting the complexity of the geopolitical situation in the aftermath of the Soviet-Afghan war. Next, let's discuss Canada's deployment of a lieutenant colonel to OSGAP and the role of the military advisory unit in Kabul. Canada's deployment of lieutenant colonel to the office of the Secretary General for Af Afghanistan and Pakistan, along with the establishment of a military advisory unit in Kabul, reflected its commitment to contributing to the diplomatic and stability efforts in the region. Here's a discussion of Canada's involvement. First was the deployment of lieutenant colonel. Canada agreed to deploy a lieutenant colonel as part of the military advisory unit within OSGAP. This deployment showcased Canada's commitment to actively participate in the diplomatic and military initiatives in Afghanistan during a critical period. The role of the Military Advisor Unit, or OSGAP's Military Advisor Unit in Kabul, was established as a proactive measure in case the United Nations was called upon to provide peacekeeping forces in the region. The unit was not initially intended for direct peacekeeping, but rather as a reconnaissance in place, anticipating the potential need for a UN peacekeeping involvement. The Nature of Military Advisor Unit's Work while well, the military advisory unit in Kabul played a crucial role in monitoring the security situation, gathering intelligence, and providing assessments, it served as a contingency force ready to assist in the implementation of peacekeeping efforts if the situation required such intervention. Observations and Reporting Challenges and questions surrounding the OSGAP. The role and utility of OSGAP included the military advisor unit, faced uncertainties and questions. The complex political dynamics in Afghanistan and the region contributed to the challenges in determining the future direction and mandate of OSGAP. The decision to withdraw. The situation in Afghanistan, including the challenge and risk, led to a decision to withdraw the military advisory unit and OSGAP personnel from Kabul in December 1992. Concerns over security and the perceived lack of a clear mandate Mandate likely influenced this decision, with the International Committee of the Red Cross, or the ICRC, and some embassies continuing their presence. 
In essence, Canada's deployment of a lieutenant colonel to the OSGAP's military advisory union demonstrated its active involvement in the involving Afghan situation, and with a particular focus on being prepared for political peacekeeping operations while adapting to the complex geopolitical realities of the time. Welcome back, and we're into segment four, Peace Efforts and Challenges. Let's explore the UN's peace efforts in Afghanistan led by Benin Savant. Benin Savant's leadership in the UN peace efforts in Afghanistan during the early 1990s was a formidable yet challenging undertaking. Tasked with negotiating a peace process after the Soviet withdrawal, Benin Savant employed a unique bottom-up approach, emphasizing the agreement of all Afghan groups early in the negotiations. His strategy aimed to overcome the shortcomings of previous accords, such as the Geneva Accords, which had limited impact on the ground of Afghanistan. During the endorsement of major international players, Savan faced significant hurdles, including deep-rooted animosities among Afghan factions and the disruptive role played by the Pakistani intelligence agency, the ISI. The intricate nature of Afghan politics characterized by fratricidal conflicts, shifting alliances, presented a daunting task. Savan's efforts, while making headway in August of 1991, ultimately faced setbacks leading to the collapse of the peace process in the following years. His endeavors highlighted the complexity of mediating peace in a volatile post-Soviet Afghanistan, foreshadowing the persistent challenges that would unfold in the region in the years to come. Let's discuss the challenges faced, including the reluctance of some Mujahideen fractions and roles of the ISI. The UN's peace efforts in Afghanistan encountered formidable challenges, with the reluctance of certain Mujahideen factions and the disruptive role of the Pakistani intelligence agency looming large. Despite notable progress by August of 1991, including the agreement of key Afghan leaders to engage in peace talks, the process was hindered by internal divisions among the Mujahideen, notably the fundamentalist faction led by Gomodin Hekmatyar, opposed key aspects of the peace plan, reflecting the deep-seated ideological differences among Afghan groups. Moreover, the ISI's covert support and guidance of the Afghan extremists, despite public endorsements of a negotiated settlement by the Pakistani government, added a layer of complexity. The agency's dual role of endorsing peace publicly while covertly supporting factions favoring a military solution underscored the intricate dynamics at play, illustrating the changes faced in navigating a complex web of regional politics and conflicting interests during this critical period in Afghanistan's history. Now, all this led to an unraveling situation. Let's detail the events that led to the fall of Kabul and the coup d'etat. The fall of Kabul and the subsequent coup d'etat folded against the backdrop of escalating conflict and shifting alliances among the Afghan factions. In April 1992, Mujahideen groups launched offensives against the Afghan communist regime led by Mohammad Najibullah, marked the end of the decent interval following the Soviet withdrawal. Despite initial agreements and progress in peace talks, the situation deteriorated rapidly. The Pakistani-supported fundamentalist Mujahideen, including Gulbuddin Hekbatar, launched an offensive towards Kabul. And by mid-April 1992, Bagram Airfield north of the capital fell to Mujahideen forces. Faced with the imminent collapse, Najibullah requested UN evacuation. In a surprising turn of events, the coup d'etat led by generals with ties to the moderate Tajik Mujahideen leader Ahmed Shah Massad ousted Najibullah. This coup marked a significant shift in power dynamics, with Mujahideen fighters vying for control and setting the stage for the complex and chaotic political landscape that would define Afghanistan in the years to come. 
So what were the power dynamics among the Mujahideen factions and the impact on the peace process? The political dynamics among the Mujahideen factions following the fall of Kabul in 1992 had a profound impact on the Afghan peace process. With factions led by figures such as Ahmad Shah Massoud, Gulbahan Hekmatar, and others vying for control, internal divisions and the ideological differences became pronounced. The peace process, initially making headway with the prospect of a transitional government, stalled as factions disagreed on the composition of the leadership and the exclusion or inclusion of key figures. The fundamentalist faction led by Hekmatar opposed the participation of former communist figures, further complicating negotiations. The struggle for influence among the Mujahideen, coupled with the external interference, particularly from the Pakistan's ISI, thwarted attempts to establish a stable and inclusive transitional government. These power struggles foreshadowed the tumultuous period that followed, setting the stage for the ongoing conflicts and for rendering the initial peace efforts ineffectual amid the chaotic landscape of the post-Soviet Afghanistan. Welcome back to our last segment, the aftermath and Canadian observations. Let's explain the aftermath of the coup and the changing dynamics in Kabul. The aftermath of the coup in Kabul, which ousted President Najibullah, witnessed a dramatic shift in dynamics among the Mujahideen factions. With the fall of the communist regime, factions associated with Ahmad Shah Massoud and the moderate Mujahideen sought to establish an intern government under Dr. Mujahedi. However, the power vacuum and the absence of a central authority in the capital paved the way for competing factions to occupy different parts of Kabul. Ethnic militias, government troops, and various Mujahideen groups, including those led by Hekmatar, engaged in sporadic fighting and power struggles. The city became a battlefield, reflecting the deep-seated animosities and ideological differences among the factions. Amidst the chaos, the new Afghan government attempted to collaborate with the UN, but the challenges of establishing law and order in a war-torn country with multiple competing interests remained daunting, signaling the turbulent period that would persist through the night throughout the 1990s in Afghanistan. Let's discuss the Canadian Observer's recommendations and concerns about the situation. Canadian Observers in Afghanistan expressed significant concerns about the unfolding situation in the aftermath of the coup. They noted escalating tensions and power struggles among Mujahideen factions, emphasizing the impotence of the Peshawar-based leadership in the face of moderate forces led by Admin Shah Massoud. The Observers raised doubts about the feasibility of a peaceful transition, highlighting the potential for a head-on clash between Massoud and Gulbud and Hekmatar, fueled by the ideological differences and deep animosities. Furthermore, they underscored the challenges of establishing law and order in a country accustomed to war and anarchy, emphasizing the high stakes involved. The Canadian observers recommended the withdrawal of the Canadian OSGAP observers due to the dangerous state of affairs and the lack of a discernible mandate, expressing disappointment over the decision to withdraw at a crucial juncture and raising questions about OSGAP's credibility to be an honest broker in Afghanistan. Well, that's it. There we go. Let's summarize the key points and conclusions. So the post-Soviet Afghanistan. The text explores Canada's involvement in Afghanistan during the post-Soviet era, predating the Al-Qaeda 9-11 attacks. This period saw the withdrawal of the Soviet Union and the emergence of new challenges in Afghanistan. We talked about Operation Decimal a UN mission focused on monowarants and clearance training in Afghanistan. The goal was to train Afghan demineers to address the landmine threat left behind by the Soviet-Afghan war. Next, we talked about transition from the UNGOMAP to OSGAP. 
The United Nations good offices in Afghanistan and Pakistan transitioned to the Office of the Secretary General for Afghanistan and Pakistan. OSGAP had a broader role, including diplomatic, humanitarian, and potential peacekeeping efforts. Next, we talked about the Military Advisory Unit in Kabul. Canada deployed a lieutenant colonel as part of the OSGAP's military advisory unit. The unit served as a contingency force, monitoring the security situation and providing assessments for potential UN peacekeeping involvement. We talked about diplomatic efforts for peace. Benoît Savan, the UN representative, sought to achieve a peace process in Afghanistan by engaging various Afghan factions. However, challenges persisted, including the conflicting interests of external actors such as Pakistan's intelligence agency. We discussed the stalled peace process. Despite initial progress, the Afghan peace process stalled by 1991. In 1992, the situation deteriorated, and the Mujahideen factions, including Galbanum Hekmatar, engaged in offensives against the Afghan communist regime led by Najibullah. We discussed the aborted peace and power struggles. Power struggles among the Afghan forces included fundamentalists and moderates, and they intensified. The fall of Kabul in 1992 led to chaos with different factions vying for control. The ISI-supported fundamentalist Mujahideen offensive further complicated the situation. Lastly, we talked about the withdrawal of OSGAP. In December 1992, OSGAP, including the military advisory unit, was withdrawn from Kabul due to the tense and dangerous situation. The decision raised questions about the role and mandate of OSGAP, impacting its credibility as an honest broker. So what conclusions can we draw? The text serves as a prologue to Canada's deep involvement in Afghanistan after the 9-11 attacks. The observations and experiences during the early 1990s provide crucial context to understand the later expeditionary operations in the region. There were missed opportunities and unforeseen consequences. The aborted peace in Kabul reflects a complex interplay of missed opportunities, geopolitical complexities, and unforeseen consequences. And lastly, the evolution of the Canadian military engagement. The narrative highlights Canada's evolving military engagement, from humanitarian efforts like mine clearance to diplomatic and potential peacekeeping roles. The experience in Afghanistan during the early 1990s laid the foundation for Canada's later contributions to the international missions in the region. So let's reflect on how these events in the early 1990s set the stage for Canada's deeper involvement in Afghanistan in the following years. The events in the early 1990s laid the groundwork for Canada's profound involvement in Afghanistan in the subsequent years. The aborted peace efforts, the power struggles among Afghan factions, and the withdrawal of OSGAP, including the military advisory unit, marked a critical juncture. The complexities of the geopolitical landscape, the challenges in achieving a sustainable peace process, and the active role played by external actors like the Pakistan's ISI were indicative of the intricate dynamics at play. As Canada withdrew from the region in the face of escalating risks, the lessons learned and the unresolved issues created a vacuum that would later be filled by escalating conflicts, eventually drawing international attention post-9-11. The experiences of the early 1990s served as a prologue, shaping Canada's understanding of the region and complexities, and influencing its subsequent deep and prolonged engagement in Afghanistan in the aftermath of 9-11 attacks. In closing, in the intricate mosaic of history, Canada's foray into Afghanistan during the post-Soviet turmoil was but a prelude to the intricate symphony that would resonate in the years to come. The echoes of Operation Decimal and the dance of diplomatic endeavors reverberate through time, foreshadowing a tale of tangled alliances, shifting powers, and unforeseen consequences. As the curtain falls in this chapter, it leaves behind a canvas splattered with the colors of missed opportunities and geopolitical complexities. Little did Canada's military engineers know that their contributions would echo through the corridors 
of a future entanglement, where the Afghan narrative would become a defining chapter in the broader landscape of global affairs. The aborted peace in Kabul stands as a poignant reminder that the threads of history are intricately woven, and the consequences of seemingly distant decisions may unravel in unexpected ways the stage of tomorrow. Well, thank you for tuning in. Next episode, we're going to focus on the next chapter, In the Beginning. In the intricate dance of global affairs post-9-11, the narrative weaves a compelling tale of Canada's unexpected entry into Afghanistan. Departing from traditional military engagements, the story unfolds amidst the chaos of business class turned ad hoc militia, culminating in the deployment of Canada's three PPCLI battle group. The strategic choreography between Canada and the U.S., rooted in the aftermath of the Taliban's fall, sets the stage for Operation Apollo. From the fluid dynamics of potential deployments to the shift towards an International Security Assistance Force, or ISAF, the narrative captures the nuanced decision-making process. As the three PPCLI battle group embarks on a mission with six key objectives, the text unfolds not just as a chronicle of immediate actions, but as a precursor to Canada's enduring commitment to Afghanistan. The tale concludes with the anticipation of Canada's pivotal role in the evolving drama. Symbolizing the nation's journey through diplomatic intricacies, strategic recalibrations, and the complexities of a nation in the throes of reconstruction. Until next time, stay curious, stay informed, and may the echoes of our shared history guide us forward.